Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we are dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. We hope that our ministry is helping you get closer to the Lord by helping you understand better His ways. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to contact us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. We'd be glad to help. We'd also like to make you aware that our English audio messages are now available as podcasts through iTunes. Please look for us in Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. We hope this will make it easier for you to stay tuned. And now, as part of today's look into God's Word, we'll be going through Proverbs chapter 27. We'll be taking a closer look at the danger of taking our time here on earth for granted that we need to identify and deal with envy in our heart and that it is in our best interest to be prudent. So please stay with us for the next few minutes as we listen to today's sharing of God's Word. Let's pray together, asking the Lord for His guidance and understanding, and to help us keep open hearts and minds to what He wants to tell us through His Word. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise You and I worship You, O Lord, for Your goodness and Your mercy, for Your grace. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, and for His sacrifice on the cross. Thank You, Heavenly Father, Lord God, for Your, for just all the wonderful things that You do for us and because You love us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you please forgive my sins, O God. Heavenly Father, I pray humbly now, Lord God, that you please uh, that you please guide us, O Lord, that you give us understanding, and that you help us to keep open hearts and minds, Lord God. Help us to be open and free to what you want to tell us, to how you want to minister to us. Help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 27, and this is what his word says. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. 
Whoever restrains her restrains the wind, and grasps oil with his right hand. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and the nourishment of your maidservants. The first part we'll be looking at is verse 1, where it says again, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Way too many times do we in general take our time here on earth for granted assuming that our plans will be unaltered and that we have control over our existence. We take for granted our existence. We take for granted what we have. And what makes us even bolder in our arrogance is if things actually go our way, without considering for a moment that God may have just been merciful. But at the same time, just because things seem to go our way does not mean that we're in the right. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him, it is sin. Sometimes we think that sin consists of doing something horrible, or at least that we consider horrible, when in fact it may involve doing things that go completely unnoticed. Sin can be incredibly subtle if we are not alert and attentive to God's promptings. We have to remember always that sin is not just about killing someone or breaking the law, but other things as well that can ultimately deeply destroy our lives. In the past, we discussed that foolishness, which was defined as living life like God is not there, is something that can lead people to utter destruction, and taking life for granted falls into the category of foolishness. When we take things for granted, we are then falling into arrogance and into the falsehood that we are in control. What is the problem with that, you may ask? A great many things. The first thing that is wrong is that if a person considers themselves a believer, then they should know that considering God in all of their plans should be the very first thing they do. God needs to be first place. God needs to be consulted. Why? Because if God is not consulted, then you're assuming control over your life and quite plainly, you are telling God that you don't need Him. And furthermore, you're assuming that God will prosper you in your plans despite the fact that you have ignored him and pushed him aside. That is arrogance. And to make it worse, by assuming that God will be with you after treating him as a second-class citizen, 
you try to reduce him to the position of servant. The arrogance that is being displayed is that God is there to serve you, to carry out your plans, and to ensure that you are successful. Sounds pretty bad, right? Well, that is what we do when we take things for granted. This is something we can never forget. God is God. And although Jesus said he came to serve, his moment of service was only for that period of time he was on the earth. The moment he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, that servant period ended. He is now sitting at the right hand of God. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's his official title now, after conquering death and sin. The kingdom of God is just that, a kingdom, not a democracy or anything else that our twisted little minds can come up with, or least of all, that we are rulers or masters of anything. In a kingdom, everything belongs to the king, and everything is subject to the king. And in a kingdom, if the king says X, then all of his loyal subjects should say X. Why? Because he is the king. It is even a farther stricter setting when we see God as Lord. Because in that setting, he is the master. And our existence only entails serving him. It's not a job. The servant or slave is there to serve, to do the master's bidding at all times. That is the purpose of the servant's existence, to serve. Now, let's look at it from God's perspective. And we will apply what many refer to as the golden rule, where Jesus said, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Let's assume for a moment that you're a person in a, in a position of authority. And like every position of authority, you are responsible for everything that goes right and everything that goes wrong. That's how it works, or at least how it should work. And let's continue assuming that you have people that work for you. Let's assume that your business is to build widgets, a fictional item, so play with your imagination a little bit. However, even though your business is about making widgets and selling the best widgets possible, your employees are using your equipment, your materials, and your facilities, ultimately your money, without your permission to build cogs or whatever else that is not a widget. How would you feel? How embarrassed would you be if you had to deliver an order of widgets to one of the biggest widget buying stores in the country and there is not one widget to be delivered? How upset would you be? Would you reward your employees? Give them a raise? How about a bonus? I don't think you would be inclined to do any of that. And of course, how could you? They used your resources and money to do something completely different. So now... You are bankrupt. Now, we will never bankrupt God, but I think you get the picture, right? That is what happens when we call the shots in our lives, when we put ourselves in a God place and push the real God aside and then expect for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to bless us, to answer our prayers, and to prosper our plans. Do you understand just how screwed up the order is when we, maybe inadvertently, take God out of the picture. And with this practice, we are sometimes selective. That the Lord can be the Lord over certain aspects of our life, but we don't involve Him in other aspects that we consider personal, so to speak. It's the same concept. 
we sometimes allow him to be either a part-time Lord or to rule over certain portions of our lives. And of course, we need to bear in mind that we just don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, now do we? Contrary to popular belief, we are not in control of the universe. We are not in control of this planet. We are not even in control of our surroundings or the next five minutes, now are we? And here is the other side that you need to be careful with. There is such a thing as free will, which means you are free to choose and decide on your own. But that does not alleviate you from the consequences of wrong decisions. In fact, quite the contrary. The whole reason for why free will is granted is so there is a level of responsibility for our actions. We reap what we sow. Now let's suppose that things go according to your plans. You might say to yourself, everything is going just the way I want it to go. Now I have to ask you, if your plans are leading you away from God in any kind of way, who do you think may be prospering your way? You have to remember that Satan is in favor for everything that steers you away from God, from trusting in the Lord and from fulfilling God's plans in your life. And here is the other great danger. Hebrews chapter 12 teaches us, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If your plans get screwed up somehow, the plans you made without God, that is God trying to give you a wake-up call. Things getting screwed up is God's way of showing you that He cares for you because He does not want you to drift away from Him. But it should be scary when everything goes fine, especially when you have not taken God into consideration. Because if everything goes well according to your plan, then guess what? If there is no chastening, there is no discipline, then God is letting you keep your course away from Him. And in that scenario, it is not God that is blessing the work of your hands or prospering your plans. It is actually Satan who is helping you. See how easy it is to get off course and think that everything is okay when in fact everything is far from being okay? If you didn't take God into account of your plans, whatever they may be, they might be your business plans, your work plans, personal plans, family plans, any kind of plan. Just because they turn out okay does not mean that God is blessing you and vice versa. If your plans without God go south per se, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. But actually, quite the contrary. He loves you to the point that he is willing to intervene in any kind of way so you come back to him. But of course, after you realize on your own that you need him. Remember that everything is love and in love there is no forcing a relationship god is not going to force anyone but if he truly cares about you he will allow for circumstances to happen that will help you understand just how necessary he is and how we are nowhere near in control of anything in our lives he ultimately tries to bring you back to a beneficial acknowledgement of reality one final thing on this first point that you always need to keep in mind, and that is this, 
what we read in Luke chapter 12, where it says, Then he spoke a parable with the same, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It is in our best interest to make God and his direction first in everything in our life because there is just no telling what will happen and when. We cannot take anything for granted. It is just not wise. Now, the second thing we're going to look at has to do with jealousy, or more exactly, envy. That's the more exact word. Verse 4 said, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Envy rides together with coveting. Satan coveted God because he wanted to be like God, and he still very much wants the position. The Ten Commandments talk about this also, where we are taught the following, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his donkey, nor his ox, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Envy or coveting is quite destructive both to you and to other people, because sooner or later, if you stew over coveting something, you are either going to try to take what belongs to someone else, or you will put forth your effort with the goal to only achieve what someone else has. Either way, it's bad. Outside of letting God see Satan's characteristics in us when we covet, which is really bad, the practical way of looking at this is to just be content with what we have. Rather than wanting more or what other people have, just live your life in peace and treasure what you do have. When we cultivate a spirit of thankfulness and contentment, your life will become much less complicated. The grass is usually not greener on the other side. Having the shinier, newer thing will not complete your life. And when you covet, you are just going to want to have or do something else later on. For some people, the world is not enough. Both the poor, the not-so-poor, and the super-rich have the same problem when they covet. And that is that if they just had one more dollar or pound or euro or whatever currency you use where you live, life would be so much better if you just have that one little more thing. That if they have this thing or that other thing or this relationship or that other experience, that life will be so much better. It's all lies. The things of this world will never satisfy you. Only God can. And when God fills our lives, then we need to learn to be content with what we have, with what He gives us. We need to appreciate the many blessings that God gives us. When we covet or envy, we don't appreciate anything. And we don't take care of anything. And of course, sooner or later, we lose even what we have. This is the practical way of getting away from envy or coveting by filling our lives with the Lord and learning to be content with what we have. 
the Bible gives us this advice also in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. So do yourself a favor. If you have an issue with coveting, don't worry about what other people have and what they don't have. And don't fall into the lie that getting that next great thing, whether it be relationships or experiences or possessions, will make you happy and complete. Just be happy with what you have and focus on the Lord. And you will see that life will be simpler than it is right now. And when you do get new things, when they come on their own, you will be much more appreciative and careful with them. And finally, we'll look at being prudent, which is something that eludes many folks, whether they realize it or not. Verse 12 says again, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Sometimes people think it is fun to flirt with danger or to take high risks and pretend that they're in control and that everything will be fine. We already saw from before that control is ultimately an illusion because there are too many things all around us that we just don't know what is going to happen. Rather than thinking that nothing can go wrong, we should think about the what-ifs. Chances are, if you think about the what-ifs, then you might reconsider what you are about to get yourself into. Don't be fooled by the movies or other people's stories where everything turns out well in the end. The truth is that not everything ends well. Lives get impacted and not in a good way and we wind up complicating our lives more than anything. So the advice we're getting is that if we see something evil or something that involves some danger, we should be careful and not get involved. Now that does not mean that we don't take risks at all. No, that's not what we're saying. The truth is is that there is an inherent risk to everything in life, starting by getting up in the morning because anything can go wrong. That's the truth. However, when we acquire godly wisdom, we inherently become prudent and we're able to see things more clearly. We're able to foresee things before they actually happen. That is the advantage we gain by getting involved intimately with God and learning His ways. We're able to see things more for what they are than for what someone is trying to sell us on. There will be times that the Lord may tell you to do things that seem very risky and maybe even crazy. But the difference there is that He is leading the way. And if He is getting you involved with something, then He has it all worked out. That is why if we go back to what we explained before, if we lay aside our arrogance, if we take God into consideration in all of our decisions and plans, then He is in control. And if the Lord is in control, then it is all figured out, whether you know it or don't know yet how things will happen. So quite frankly, 
If you follow the Lord, chances are that He will take you down paths that may make you nervous, that may be uncharted for you, that may be new and different, that probably go against human instinct and reason. But rest assured, believe in Him and trust in Him. Just let Him lead the way and follow through. Psalm 23 tells us this, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Out of everything we have gone through, God's counsel is to not take anything for granted in this life but rather consider the Lord in all of your ways. He needs to be first in our lives, above everything else. We need to put in check our arrogance and treat God the way He needs to be treated, the way we need to treat Him. And with that, we need to put away any kind of envy or coveting so that we do away with evil characteristics and so we can actually live much more peaceful lives. And finally, we need to fill ourselves with godly wisdom so we can gain prudency. So we acquire God's foresight and be able to see things much more clearly. And all of these things we learn that the Lord and His ways need to take first place in our lives. So that we in turn continue being transformed and do those things that truly bring blessing here and now. But more importantly, in the not so distant future where eternal things come into the picture. We should always keep in mind the future. We should keep our eyes set on the bigger picture and on things of greater value. We need to stay focused on Jesus, knowing with certainty that He loves us and that our lives are safe in Him. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise You and I worship You, Lord. I give You thanks for Your love for your grace, for your teaching, for your guidance, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh Lord God, that you are, that you help us not to take things for granted. There are so many things that happen all around us in our lives that are far beyond our control. There's so many things that we ignore. Heavenly Father, help us to be mindful of those things. And help us to be mindful of, of the fact that you are God, that you are Lord, and that you need to be consulted, and that you need to be first, and that we are the creation. We are the ones that need to come under your wing, to seek your direction, to seek your wisdom, your understanding, and your guidance. Help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, to, to understand that things are not going to fill our lives and, and no matter how much we, we, we struggle and, and, and we fight to get things that we think that might make us happy 
Lord, you're the only one that can complete our lives and make them different. And when that happens and we adopt a, a, a feeling and a, and a just, Lord God, a, a spirit of contentment and gratefulness, that when those other things happen, that we appreciate them that much more and that we're going to take care of them, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand always the bigger picture. Heavenly Father, help us to have clear that everything, absolutely everything, impacts us in some way, fashion, or form. And that we need to always think that and not just act or react, but to be mindful of, with our actions, with, with what we get involved with, with what we do. Uh, Heavenly Father, and help us to understand that there's just a bigger thing out there waiting for us that you have for those that love you and follow you help us O oh lord to more than anything lord god keep our eyes set on you in jesus name i pray amen please join us again next time as we continue looking into god's word together please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.